Our gospel lesson today is from John chapter 10. I'll be reading from verses 11 through 18. This is one of the I am statements of Jesus. There are seven of them in the gospel of John. In this one, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Hear God's word. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So, when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I have a confession to make. I'm a pack rat. Or at least that's what my bride tells me. Just the other day, she wondered why I still have two pet rocks on my dresser that Isabella and I made back when she was in the second grade. (laughs) Or why I still have every one of my college t-shirts in a big Rubbermaid container stored up in the attic that I haven't worn since the late 80s. Or what's wrong with saving old socks after all? I mean, they can be used for shoe mitts and sock puppets. And who doesn't have every check register that they have had since they first got married? (laughs) You wouldn't believe the stuff that we had to throw away when we moved to Midlothian from Hanover to take the pastor or call here at this church. We did send all of those old financial records to the shredder. Thankfully, the county had one of those big shredded things, and you could take all your boxes of stuff, and they would shred them for you. And today being Earth Day, I'm trying to save the environment, so I keep the old pens after they run out. I can't bear to throw away the hollow pen core, and perhaps someday I'll go to the store and buy refills for all of the ballpoint pens that I have that have run out. I think that Melanie comes by in the night and throws them away because they slowly disappear. I have gotten better thanks to her help, but I have a ways to go. Maybe I am the reason why there are so many new self-storage units here in Chesterfield County. I don't know about you, but I, I, I keep seeing them pop up. 
there's one heading west on 60 towards Westchester Commons. And then if you're heading east, there's one right across the road from it on the other side. There's one down at Robius and Mall Drive across from the Aldi store. There's another one going up down on Hull Street Road, another on Iron Bridge Road if you're heading down that way. They're all over the place. And I did some research wondering what is that all about because I know it just can't be about me. And I read an article recently published in the Richmond Times-Dispatch that says that self-storage is one of the fastest-growing industries in America. It, it is a $40 billion-a-year industry. $40 billion. That's a lot of stuff. There are over 50,000 self-storage properties in the United States, says the writer of the article. Some, get this, some developers of new subdivisions are building self-storage units in their subdivision. That way, when you got stuff, you just go around the block behind the community center and put it in there and go back home and go over there and get it whenever you need it. Can you believe that? H.H. Hunt is one of the developers I read about that's doing that, and I think that there are some others. There are a lot of reasons. Now, there are a lot of legitimate uses for them. Businesses use them to store things. College students often have to put their mini-fridge and their other things in there when they're home for the summer or doing their internship before they go back for the fall, etc. But I believe the main reason why this industry is so fast-growing is because we Americans have a lot of stuff. Like me, we don't want to part with our stuff. We have an abundance of things. Most of the advertisements we're subjected to promise abundant life but mostly this is understood as more, more money, more possessions, more appeal, more friends, more popularity, more acceptance, more, more, more. The subtle message that many of these advertisers send to us is that we are insufficient, that we are not good enough, and we don't have enough. The goal is, I believe, to create in us a sense of that uh, we are not worthy of love and respect and happiness unless we have what they think we need. And big data is really good at predicting the things that they want us to need. They match us up with our data profile and we start buying things or wanting things that they want us to have. It's this confusing message that makes the message of Jesus so critical today, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and that they have, may have it more abundantly, John 10.10. 10. Jesus doesn't just make that promise. He puts his life where his promise is. I am the good shepherd, he says. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And I lay my down, down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. In this passage, Jesus is telling us who he is. And he's, he's saying to remember that I give abundant life and I want to be your shepherd. This passage today must be read, I believe, in light of verse 10, where Jesus says, I have come that they might have life and have it in abundance. He will provide all our needs. He will guide us in right paths. He will sustain us and keep us from the adversary. 
In this passage, Jesus is revealing who he is. There are some other passages in the New Testament that speak to his saving work. Theologians call that soteriology, if I can say it right. It comes from the Greek word that talks about salvation. But here, Jesus is pointing us to Christology, our understanding of who Jesus is. There are some verses about his salvation. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved, John 10, 9. Paul says in Romans 10, 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. In Acts 4, 12, Luke writes, there is no other name by which we are to be saved, pointing us to Jesus and the salvation that it comes through him, through faith and trust in the work that he did for us on the cross. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, And then in verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be what? Saved through him. These point us to the saving work of Jesus, but this passage today points us to who Jesus is, the good shepherd. When he said, I am the good shepherd, he was making the invisible God visible and the unapproachable God approachable. Jesus came to reveal that God loves the entire world, no exceptions. Jesus comes to reveal that we are already beloved people and that we are enough. Say to your neighbor, you are enough. Left and right, front and back, say that to each other. You are enough, choir. You are enough. You're enough, Jeff. Okay? You are enough. You are enough. The world doesn't want us to believe that, but God loves us that much that we are enough, that we don't need more stuff. We don't need higher status to be deserving of God's unconditional and unending love. Jesus, God in the flesh, loves us like a shepherd loves his sheep. I borrowed one of Miss Amanda's sheep the other day as I taught chapel here for the Child Development Center, and I simply took the sheep and I said, shepherds, they love their sheep, and I gave the little sheep a big hug, and then I said, this is how Jesus loves you, and I let them passed the sheep around, and each of them gave it a big hug too. Simple message, but profound. It's one of the I am statements in the book of John where Jesus gives us some Christology, who he is. In chapter 6, he said, I am the bread of life. Later, he says, I am the light of the world. Then in chapter 9, he says, I am the door or the gate where we go in and out and come to him. In chapter 10, I am the good shepherd. And then Jesus said, I am the way, I mean, uh, I'm the resurrection and the life. And then later in chapter 14, I am the way and the truth and the life. And in chapter 15, he said, I am the vine. Today's passage is just one of the ways that Jesus helps us to understand who he is and how we relate to him. And these I am statements would have caught the attention of the early followers very quickly because they echoed the words that God spoke to Moses in chapter 3 of the book of Exodus, where God said, tell them I am. Tell them I am who I am. And the scripture, uh, the word there is Yahweh. I am who I am. These are self-revealing and profound statements of Jesus. He spoke in a language that connected with his listeners. Likely the Pharisees heard these words. Certainly the disciples. Certainly some other religious leaders. Most likely other people were listening as well. They knew the role of a first century shepherd. They also knew the history of Israel, kings of Israel, who were looked at as shepherds. And even the Greeks understood that terminology as they 
thought about the word king or a person who was a king. They also knew that there were good shepherds and bad shepherds. The bad shepherds were just in it for the money and would cut and chase like the hired hand Jesus speaks about in this passage. So what makes, has Jesus said, I am the good shepherd? What makes him good? He lays down his life for the sheep. This is more than like, oh, I really enjoyed that meal because it was good. Or I had a good time at the party. Or he's, he's a, a good person. He, he has good morals. No, th- this is deeper. This word in the New Testament that Jesus uses for good has to do with the core, the, the innermost uh, understanding that Jesus had for people, his compassion, his um, deep, deep love for his sheep. And he would lay down his life for them in a heartbeat. It also, uh, the word good implies that he cares for the sheep, not like the hired hand. And then it also means that he knows them and they know him. The Greek word to know is genosko. And here it's not cognitive, but it's relational. For Jesus here in John, the shepherd is good because he lays down his life, because he cares for them, and he knows them intimately. It's as if they speak the same language. In our culture today, I'm concerned that we see more manager types, people who are just in it for a short time, just in it for the money like the hired hand, and don't really care about others, and they're off to the next thing. It's one of the reasons why I believe this message is so critical for our world today, because people need someone who cares about them. We see shepherds in teachers. We see shepherds in coaches. We see shepherds in people who are in compassionate organizations that are about helping to um, improve the needs of people and nonprofits and volunteer organizations. We see people who are shepherds and caring in nursing home facilities, people who are caregivers. But a lot of people don't know that they need a shepherd. And we have the message that they need to hear that the good shepherd loves them, cares about them, knows their name, and wants to have a relationship with them. I believe that Jesus in this passage gives us a vision for the church, a vision for God's flock today. The word congregation actually comes from an agricultural term that means to come together as a flock. That's why churches are often called flocks and their leaders are called pastors. This vision for the church today is several. First, it communicates that the church is a place to belong and a place to be known. By virtue of Jesus saying, I'm a good shepherd, implies that there's a flock. There's a place for every one of us to belong and to be known. Other place in Scripture says that God knows the number of hairs on our heads. And that's simply a way of describing the the unrelenting, steadfast love that God has for each one of us. And that this church should be, is and should be a place where people belong and are known. Here at Huguenot Road Baptist Church, we do not want you to be a number. We want you to be known. And we take great strides to live into this multi-generational, intergenerational ministry that 
young and old and all between can belong and be known. I read just the other day, last Sunday's newspaper, something that really startled me, and it should startle all of us. And that is that in our nation, and I believe in our world, there's an epidemic of loneliness. My grandma died when I was in seventh grade. And my grandpa, my grandpa Lee, my dad's dad, he lived 20 more years. 20 more years. We lived 12 hours away. And he used to eat all of his meals at the Howard Johnson's at the counter by himself. Now, he was active in church, devoted Catholic, and had a group of people. He drove people to cancer treatments, and he did a lot of good things. But when he went to eat his dinner, he ate by himself at the Howard Johnson's. When we would go see him, he took us to the Howard Johnson's with him and would introduce us to the people behind the counter. And I always thought how difficult it was for him to eat by himself. We can change that. The church is a place where people can belong and be known. This article written by Dr. Jacob Appel cites Red Cross data that says the United States is suffering from an epidemic of loneliness. He writes, it's more than a social crisis, it's a health crisis because loneliness can cause depression, loneliness can cause people to uh, rely on substances to feel better, to numb the pain, which uh, fuels the opioid addiction to prescription medication and others in our society. That's such a, a tremendous crisis. AARP, Retired People Association, estimates that 42.6 million Americans are chronically lonely, which is more than people who smoke. Moreover, their study concludes that loneliness is more than an affliction of the elderly, but it has become a syndrome of the young and the middle-aged. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, just come to my family's house at Christmas time when we're at my dad's and we're all in the family room and everybody's together and nobody's talking to each other because everybody's nose is buried in their phone or their tablet. So last Christmas we were all there, nobody's talking, the TV's on, and everybody's looking at their phone, me too. I was like, well, everybody else is doing it, nobody's talking, I'm going to check my messages. I'm going to scroll Facebook. And it's, that's, that's my family. I wonder if you've had some of the same experiences we are isolated together. We are lonely together. We've never been any more connected in all of time, but yet we are more separated. And you and I can, you know, we don't have to give all those things up, but we can try to set boundaries so that we can look at each other and talk with each other and communicate better. Dr. Appel writes, Epidemic loneliness is largely an affliction of our own collective creation, by subsidizing the transportation and communications infrastructure that renders our world convenient, we have ironically created the foundations for dislocation and isolation. In maternity wards, we give birth among strangers. In hospices, we die among strangers. On the journey between, we sit beside strangers on buses and airplanes. 
mute and watchful, yet also longing for connection. Have you ever, like me, sat next to somebody on a plane or train and not said a word because you just wanted to be by yourself and read and get to your destination? But couldn't I just say hello? How are you? Um, is there anything? I can, how can I pray for you? you know, I, I want to do better. The church can help us to do better. The church can be an agent of change in our world today. Perhaps we could be part of what one writer calls an anti-loneliness campaign. I know you can't hug these days so much, but perhaps a pat on the back, you know. Human touch is so important. Or a smile, or a, a cheer, or a hello. How can I, how can I be a, a, a friend to somebody? What if, what if there was youth? Think about this. What if a popular student in school befriended somebody who was lonely sitting by themselves at the lunch table and invited them to come over and sit with them? What if, what if a, a student saw a special needs person in their school that was always ignored and left out? And what if that, uh, what if that athlete was, was to push their wheelchair so they could get around campus or invite them to, to sit at the lunch table? What, what, what if we modeled what Jesus is saying about being shepherds to others. Could you imagine the difference that it could make? Could you imagine the, uh, the way that perhaps bullying would uh, uh, drop, uh, cases of that would drop, and how uh, people would feel better about themselves, how the world might be better if our students, and what if our uh, adults modeled this in church and somebody that they didn't know uh, came into the sanctuary or was out in the narthex and, and you just went up and said, hi, I'm, I'm Bob Lee and it's good to see you today. Um, how long have you been coming to HRBC? Oh, today's my first day. Welcome. We're really glad you're here. Somebody might say, well, I've been a member here for 40 years. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, I just I, I wasn't aware of that. Thank you for being here for so long. How have you been involved in our church? Could you see the difference that can make in the lives of people, right? Uh, all right. So I spent a lot of time on that first one because I think it's so important that people know that the, the church that Jesus has a vision for it to be a, a flock of sheep where they belong and where they are known. The, number, the, the second thing I, I find in the passage is that Jesus helps us to have a, a single guiding voice. He says, the, I, I, I know the sheep's voice and they know mine. And we, we understand the voice of Jesus coming to us often through the Bible, through the scriptures that we so love. The psalmist writes, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We can perhaps quieten a lot of the clamoring that we receive from all of the distractions and the media and the advertisements and focus on the voice of Jesus which comes to us so often through the scriptures. He wants us to know his voice. He knows ours. One of my devotionals the other day says, the, the Bible is more than a doctrinal guide work. It creates faith, produces change, causes miracles, heals hurts, builds character, transforms circumstances, imparts joy, overturns adversity, defeats temptation, provides hope, releases power, cleanses minds, brings things into being and guarantees our future. It's essential to our life as is food, God's word is described as milk, bread, solid food, and even sweet dessert. It is good for our daily strength and growth, the word 
of God is. I love the 23rd Psalm that you heard Isabella read earlier. When I run in the mornings, every time I pass a pond or a creek, I recite the 23rd Psalm. I just have it on my breath. I encourage you to do the same. Maybe you have a favorite passage. Maybe it's not this one. Maybe it's another. But allow God's Word just to come over you and guide you and become your own. That you hear the voice of God like I do. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He guideth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table in the pre- in, before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Oh my, how that blesses me in the mornings when I run and recite the words. And now quickly, the last two. The good shepherd assures each person's value. Jesus cares about the flock. But if you look in other places in Scripture, Jesus said he would leave the 99 to go find the one that got away, right? Leave the, leave the group, risk leaving the group to find the one. That means that he cares about the unique person, that you are valued, that you are worthy. When one lays down one's life for another, it means that, you, that there is a tremendous price to pay. It means you matter. You heard the children sing it earlier. You matter to God. You are valued In March, a man by the name of Colonel Arnaud Beltram was one of the first officers, police officers in the south of France who arrived on the scene of a supermarket that had been attacked by terrorists. He went in, and there was one remaining hostage, a woman. And he convinced the terrorist to let her go and to take him. And that's what happened. And he left his cell phone on so that law enforcement outside could hear what was going on. And he gave his life. 44 years old, married, gave his life. He did that because he believed in the value of a human being and was willing to pay the price of his own life. That's precisely what Jesus did. He said, I lay down, lay down my life on my own accord. He risked his life. And he'd do it for one sheep. You have value. You matter. You are good. You are enough. And the fourth part of this vision for the church is that there's one flock under one shepherd. No division. Yes, we have different denominations and all. But Jesus desires that we are one church under the lordship of one good shepherd. This becomes our call, the unity of God's church, and that there are other people, Jesus says, who need to be part of this flock. Yes, there were 
the, the Jewish people that he was speaking to, but there were Gentiles who were from the ends of the earth that he also desired to be part of this mission. We call this God's mission on earth, the church, the mission of God, and we can help him bring people into this fold. All we have to do is tell them the simple message, believe and love others. Believe in Jesus and love others. How are they to hear without one who is a messenger? Paul writes, how can they call on the one whom they've not believed? How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? That's you and me. And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. How beautiful. And Jesus prays that you and I would be part of this great mission. And he prays in John 17 that this church would be one under the good shepherd. Max Lucado, one of my favorite authors, it's more bedtime kind of reading, uh, but, but really meaningful and often very poetic. And he writes, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. But since our greatest need was forgiveness, God sent us a Savior, and his name was Jesus. And he said, I am the good shepherd. He became like us so that we could become like him. He loves each one of us like there, was only, there is only one of us to love. We all need a shepherd. Do you know the good shepherd? I hope you do. If you don't, tell somebody. Come this morning as we respond to the gospel message in singing. I'd love to pray with you and guide you in the steps to follow the Good Shepherd. Let us pray. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus, for being our Good Shepherd and for helping us to follow you and also to imitate you and to be perhaps shepherds to others in our circles of influence. Help us to believe in you that's your will, and help us to love others. That's your will, too. In the name of the Good Shepherd, we pray. Amen.